nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Today we're exploring the concept of what to know when a recruiter calls and uh, what to share with them. Uh, Just wanted to share with you that I am delighted after uh, two feet of snow over the last three days in Minnesota and also in Wisconsin. Uh, We have sunny skies today and 40 degrees, so it is very, very welcome. Um, going back to our recruiters, uh, have you ever had a call from a recruiter, uh, travel or otherwise? I have, and it was right after I was laid off following a three-week government shutdown. I had accessed the wonderful services of the Bloomington Workforce Center. I learned about resumes, LinkedIn, and interviewing. Unfortunately, I hadn't paid close attention to the part about telephone interviews. I talked the poor recruiter's ear off and shared every amazing thing I had done since kindergarten. I didn't get another interview, unfortunately, so um, I did learn from did learn my lesson. So um, I, I, we have probably lots of questions. I do know I do, and I'm hoping that you do also. So uh, talking to a recruiter can be really exciting, scary, and intimidating. So some of the questions I have is uh, how many different kinds of recruiters are there? Uh, What did they want to know from you, the nurse? And um, do you have to have a BSN or a further degree? Um, Let's see, what other questions was I thinking about? I guess that's probably enough for now. So I am just going to go right ahead and welcome my three impressive guests from Monster.com to answer these and other questions. And please call in with your questions after the first break. So I have Tamla Dorsey, Alyssa Hogan, and Stacy Carson, who is also a nurse, um, all of whom are working at Monster.com. So they are ex- experts. So Tamla, could you give us a quick bio for our listeners? Yes, thanks for having us on the show today, Leanne. My name is Tamla, and I have been a recruiter for about seven years, and nurses are definitely my passion. They do great work, and I always want to be that advocate for my nurses, so I'm excited to share my insights today. Great. Thank you. And Alyssa? Um, most people know me as Allie, um, but I've been in healthcare since 2001 and then recruiting since 2005. Uh, spent a good five years in the kidney dialysis industry, and then the last eight years has been focused on not-for-profit faith-based uh, health systems. So I've done all kinds of recruiting, but I will admit nurses are my first love. I keep going back to nurse recruitment. Ironically, um, Allie and I discovered that her mo- one of her more recent faith-based um, not-for-profit was actually the hospital that I worked for, Healtheast in Minnesota. So, small world. And finally, yeah, and not, not least, is Stacy Carson, who is also an RN, and I'd like her to tell us about herself. 
Hi, Leanne. Thanks again for having us today. We all appreciate it. Um, again, Good. I am an RN. I have been in recruitment for the past 17 years. Uh, prior to that, I was a registered nurse, and I worked in a variety of units, including the pediatric ICU, neonatal ICU, as well as general peds. I also spent some time uh, as a nurse manager as well as a clinical nurse educator. So I've, I've covered a wide variety of different occupations as a nurse. It's one of the best things about being a nurse is you can do a lot of things with that, with that degree. Thank you again that for having us. That is absolutely true. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to start this show is to show nurses that um, there is almost an unlimited variety of things that you can do, uh, and that can be in jobs that are already created, but it also could be in jobs that you create for yourself. So today we're going to be talking more about jobs that are out there and that recruiters are letting us know about. So I'd like to turn it over to the three of you uh, and uh, have you talk a little bit about the recruiters and nurses and what are sort of the inner workings of that partnership. And um, Allie, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I would say actually one of the neat things about being a nurse recruiter is because there are so many different kinds of nurses and paths you guys can take in your careers that um, we kind of scurry along after you. And there are just as many for us because, um, you know, there are, there are people that specialize just in dialysis nurses. There are those that specialize just in infusion nurses. There are those that, you know, they work for the hospital system. Then there's the travel recruiters. I mean, it's, it's very, very broad. And I would say that that's one thing that I find when people ask me what I do and I say recruiter, they have no idea what that means. Yeah, and that's okay. Exactly. Um, because similar to the title nurse, it can mean a million different things. Um, and so it gets very, very confusing for the nurses, I think, when we do call you guys. You don't even know what to expect or what questions um, are even appropriate to ask because some of the information that people think we have, we, we don't. We don't have any part in it. Great. So, uh, Stacy, would you like to pick it up from there? Sure. I, I completely agree with Allie, um, and I, I really appreciate her statement of, uh, you know, you'll find the recruiters scurrying along after the nurses, uh, because that is indeed a case, and, and nurses do get um, overwhelmed with a lot of, you know, they're, they're, they're highly coveted from all across the United States, and so I would ask that nurses who, you know, even if you're not in the market to for a new job or not looking for a new position to, to just to keep your eye open and, and to, with those recruiters that are reaching out to you, um, it's okay to, to respond back. It's okay not to respond back. But however, I would just say stay open-minded uh, when you're listening. A lot of times I'll, I'll connect with um, a potential candidate or someone that I would like to, to potentially speak to, and they may not be that, that perfect person for the job. However, they may have referrals. Uh, so I ask candidates to stay open about that because, again, it may not be the opportunity for you for now, uh, but it could be for later. Great. Thank you. And Tamla, uh, share with us what your thoughts are. Yes, absolutely. As I piggyback with Allie and Stacy's comments, definitely having a recruiter in your corner can be advantageous. And you can look at it as a partnership and a way to network because perhaps that particular recruiter you're speaking with on that day doesn't have the exact position that you're looking for, but they have connections that they can share with you 
and help you along on the path that you choose to go. So it's definitely worth a conversation for sure and just to kind of build that network so that you are making sure that you're staying ahead of things. That's a very good point, Pamela. Yeah. Why don't you just kind of talk amongst each other because you kind of know from talking with the nurses what kinds of things they're looking for and what might be the things that um, are the biggest questions for them. I think what a lot of nurses, oh, I'm sorry, this is Stacey. No. I, um, yeah. I, will, I will start, and just in general, I think a lot of nurses are looking for, um, especially the, the newer nurses who are, who are new to the field, um, they're, they're so excited. They're very novice, but they really want to get in there and get that experience and, and continue their career, and I say I totally understand that and appreciate that. However, it doesn't always happen sometimes in the, in the checklist format that they have written down in front of them. So one of the things, and again, it kind of goes back to you know, what Tamla said about maintaining that relationship with a recruiter because it's not a no for now, it's just, or it's just a no for now, but not a no forever. Um, but if you do get a, a nurse who's more of a novice, uh, really take advantages of the opportunities that you have. If you're working on a general med search floor and your ideal goal is to get into the operating room or the emergency department or just any specialty area, you absolutely have to have that skill set. And I'm sure that, Leanne, you can speak to that as well, uh, understanding yeah. that you know we all have to start somewhere. And I can tell you that um, I started out in pediatrics, and I was very, very fortunate in that respect. However, I was working as a nurse tech, so I, I set myself up for that position. But you have to understand that... Um, there are only so many jobs in every specialty, and, and there are certain qualifications that come with each position. So I say take advantage of the job that you're in and learn as much as you can and, and relay that information to your recruiter when you're, when you're speaking to them. Make sure that your recruiter understands if you have any past experience, um, say as an, an ED tech or a nurse tech, a student tech, any of those things. A lot of hospitals will consider that kind of background. Uh, if you're a surgical tech and you want to work in the OR and you become a nurse, those are really valuable skill sets that those employers will consider. But again, remember that things don't always happen in the timeline that you're looking for, so you may need to stay on that med surge unit for a couple of years to really hone those skills and, and get the critical thinking and assessment skills to, to advance into a, a, new, a newer, a different type of unit, I guess, a more specialized unit, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is Allie. I actually um, find that the advice that I end up giving over and over and over again over the years has been, um, number one, I don't think people understand what minimum qualifications are. Um, and so they apply for every single job out there that says registered nurse. Um, and if it says you have to have a year's worth of experience in ICU or 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 whatever specialty, that recruiter on the other end can't consider you if you don't have that. You're going to get that automatic oh-so-fun decline email. Um, so I spend a lot of time you know, just kind of going over that with people and explaining um, what minimum qualifications mean. Now, if it says preferred, fair game. But if it says required, um, there, are, there are legalities tied to that. We actually have as many legalities and compliance and documentation standards and all of that on the on the HR side as you guys do on the on the clinical side. Um, so most of the time when I explain that to people they do understand. And with the med search nursing, I would tell you, you know, it does depend on the area of the country 
that you're in if you can get into the specialty that you want right away. Um, like, for example, in Louisiana, nurses are going straight from school right into the specialties that they want most of the time because the nursing shortage is so hot down there and they're skipping over med surge completely. Whereas um, every manager I've ever worked with has wanted that foundation of a couple of years at least of fast-paced med surge type environment. Others that they really like to see are the long-term acute care hospital environment or the TCU uh, type of role because it does give you a wonderful foundation for wherever you're headed in nursing. Allie, um, do you know anything about what kind of orientation they get? So if somebody was coming right out of nursing school and into an ICU or something like that, do you know if they get any kind of extra orientation and one-on-one mentoring? It's going to depend on the employer. Um, You know, some employers, I think they do that really, really well. Others, it can be a little bit of a, okay, you're here, go situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, recruiters, we listen to your career stories. Uh, every single day, you know, give me, tell me, why did you, why did you leave that job? Unfortunately, yes, I've heard the, okay, you're here, go horror stories. Mm -hmm. Um, But education is something that nurses love to do. It seems to be part of the heart of a nurse that they also love to educate. So, so yeah, we hear all kinds of horror stories about, you know, the each you're young and the bullying. I hear just as many wonderful stories of the nurse who's taken that new grad under their wing and really shown them what they need to succeed. Um, and from what I can tell, at least with the, the organizations that um, I've been able to touch, they more often than not do a pretty good job with it. Um, But what can happen is, you know, if you end up going straight into labor and delivery and you stay there for six, seven years, you decide you want to go someplace else, you may not be competitive because you don't have a broad base of experience. Exactly. Um, And so sometimes it can can kind of mess up the, the future moves. Yeah, Stacy, um, I was going to ask you about, so um, what are some questions maybe uh, uh, once the, the nurse has been recruited by you, then I assume they would have interviews with whoever is the hiring employer, and how could they find out if um, what, what the orientation is like and whether they feel that would be adequate for them? No, great, great questions, and these are the things that we, we as recruiters definitely um, educate our, our, our interviews um, for when they go on site. And that doesn't, you know, that's not just about questions that they should expect or questions that they could ask, but just general interview preparation. But uh, one of the things I do uh, talk with candidates about is we as recruiters get the general information. For example, we may know that this particular unit is a 16-bed unit. The nurse-patient ratio is typically 2 to 1 or whatever that looks like. But the really big piece, and you nailed it, Leanne, is, is the education piece and the orientation piece. And a lot of nurses that I've interviewed, uh, for, especially for uh, specialty type of areas, well, what does that orientation look like? Well, I know that it should look like this. However, this is a question that you ask the hiring manager, and it's something that most managers are expecting when they come on site. Uh, and I was very fortunate when I was a new graduate nurse to have a very intense six-month training, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was really intense. There was a lot of book work, homework, tests, 
clinical you know, preceptorship and all kinds of different things going on, and I, I was very lucky. Um, some hospitals are really good about it. Some, um, maybe they don't have the education support to do it, so it's not that they don't want to do it or they don't recognize that it's an issue. It's sometimes it's just that burden of not having enough educators to, to kind of keep up with the pace. But it's definitely a valid question that every nurse should ask when they go on site for an interview. And it's okay to ask the recruiter on the initial call, too. We want to know where your head is. We want to give you as much information as we can. Right. Um, I have, I kind of had the, the bad news kind of orientation where um, I had been in a hospital nursing and I had been hired for that reason. So the BSN nurses that were hired at the same time pretty much had what you described, but because they felt we had already had so much experience, they put my friend and I on two step-down um, uh, ICU floors and then floated us to ICU every once in a while. And it was just terrifying because we really didn't have even an orientation, much less training for it, other than what we had had in our nursing school. So it can be quite terrifying. And I especially encourage anyone uh, coming from a BSN program and then going on to, um, well, even MedSurge. I just feel like if, if they are open enough to allow you to decide, have you had enough orientation? So they may have, okay, we're going to give you two weeks, or we're going to give you three weeks. But knowing that you would have that option to be able to say, I'm not ready yet, could you give me another week? Uh, or could I get one-on-one training with, with someone in specific, you know, that would be right with that person. So I think being able, you know, if they're not willing to do that, that would be something I'd be very nervous about as a new grad RN. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And it's okay to raise your hand. I think a lot of people don't want to be viewed as, gosh, I'm not picking it up quick enough, or maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. It has nothing to do with that, really. It's about everybody learns at a different pace and a different level. And, and I think it depends on your preceptor. It depends on how many preceptors, you know, preceptors you've had. But it is okay if you're meeting with your, your educator or your manager and they're saying, hey, how are you doing? And, and if they feel like you're doing great but you feel like you need a couple more weeks, it's completely appropriate to ask for that. And it's the right thing to do, the safe thing to do for you and your patients. Great. We are up against a break, so we're going to go ahead and do that right now. Um, So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, uh, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and we're exploring today what to know when a recruiter calls. So I have Tamla Dorsey, uh, Allie Hogan, and Stacey Carson, who will be returning with us uh, to talk again. If you are feeling like you would like to call in with questions, please feel free to do that. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. We're talking to three recruiters today, and um, a very interesting topic. Uh, I have Tamla Dorsey, Allie Hogan, and Stacy Carson, who is an RN, and they're all from Monster.com. Uh, we've been talking about various aspects of uh, things to look out for um, uh, as you're uh, talking to a recruiter, but it occurred to me that some people may not really know how how does that recruiter get your name. So, Tamla, if you could talk about what the process is from the time you get a, a, a list of jobs for a company, what happens after that? Sure, absolutely. As recruiters, we are taught to go out and seek talent because there is so many options for a nurse that we want to be able to present the opportunity to them in a fantastic light. So we use sources, online social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, to find and identify nurses that would be open to hearing about new opportunities. If your resume is posted on Indeed, Monster, or even CareerBuilder, we're definitely searching those platforms to find the best talent that we can pre-screen the candidate, share the opportunity with them, and be able to present them to our client. Yeah, I know I've been surprised sometimes when somebody would call me and I just felt like, how did you know about me? 
Um, anything else, either Allie or Stacy, you want to add? It, I would just say this is Allie. I would say that it definitely can be a little nerve-wracking when somebody calls you and you're like, uh, how did you find out about me? Um, there are lists and tools and all kinds of things to help. And, and the longer the nursing shortage lasts, the more um, recruiters are out there and going to be finding you. So um, it is a little unnerving. Uh, sometimes we have a lot of information about you and we've got the resume and honestly, sometimes we just have your name and we know that you're a nurse. Um, so it's going to depend on the, the individual situation. Um, some recruiters, they work for the employer that they recruit for. So they're, they've got that applicant tracking system, which is kind of like our mm-hmm. epic where we keep track of everybody who's ever applied. Um, sure. So it could be that you applied for a job there 10 years ago. And that recruiter wow. found your information in the system. So um, the term headhunter gets its, gets <laughs> its uh, origins for a reason. But, yeah, the hunt and the search is, is one of those things that we are constantly doing. Yeah, that sounds great. Stacy. anything you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, it, the struggle is real uh, for recruiters. And uh, I, I do, with because I'm a nurse myself, and although I haven't practiced in many years, I, um, I still keep my license, so I'm active on all of those lists as well. And so I continue to get emails about positions, and, and I do open them. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm totally not qualified for most of them. <laughs> but um, I do, just from a recruiting standpoint, uh, open, look at those, see who's recruiting for what. But, um, again, not always is the opportunity going to be for you, but keep it in mind for one of your friends. And I always include, and I think um, as a team we're really good about basing our communication to candidates with, with value add. We want to make sure we're not just sending, hey, come work for us. You know, the, what, mm-hmm. what, is, what is appealing about that? We want to make sure that there's a, there's a message to the message, if that makes sense, and um, that there's value there. And so it's for candidates, they may look at it and say, God, I'm not looking, quit, you know, quit bothering me. But you know, maybe <laughs> their friend is. Maybe they know somebody who is. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just the wrong time. And in six months, um, I've had candidates keep my email yeah. and then call me, you know, months later. Um, and that happens frequently. So um, sometimes when you think you're not looking, there's an opportunity right in front of you. So I ask that you yeah. be open. And and I want to encourage that also because um, – especially if you're that person that is complaining a lot, um, finding fault with the job you're doing or the people you're working with or the the um, administration or any of those things. I always feel like, you know, I'm always telling nurses, you are not a victim. So if you don't feel like you have an avenue within the organization you're working in um, to change whatever it is, then definitely think about uh, maybe I'm in the, the wrong job. Maybe I'm in the wrong organization. Uh, and you need to find some someplace that has uh, is more is closer to your values or what it is that you're looking for. Um, Allie, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the landscape of nursing? Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't think your listeners are going to be surprised to hear that the landscape is is a tough one. Um, There are regional differences, um, but in every part of the country, there is a nursing shortage. Um, More than 3 million nurses are are out there in the United States, um, and they do make up the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. Um, but it's, 
it's uh, it's a tough go. There is 1.2 million vacancies that are estimated to emerge for registered nurses between 2014 and 2022, um, and that's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, you add to that the fact that 50% of nurses are over age 45, so we've got retirements coming in the next decade or so. And then, um, unfortunately, what we're also starting to see is that there are nurses that are actually leaving the profession. Um, there was a survey done by the RN network in 2017 that said 27% feel overworked, 16% say they're not enjoying the job anymore, 15% say there's, there's too much time spent on paperwork. Um, it also really comes down to culture in terms of the employer and, and honestly how people are treating each other. Uh, 45% of the nurses said they'd been verbally harassed or bullied by other nurses. Uh, 41% said by managers or administrators, 38% by physicians. Um, the hours that they're working really aren't more, uh, but it seems to be that there's an increase in that workload. 46% actually say that there's an increase in their workload, and 60% of nurses said they spend up to 25% of their day doing work that they think is the responsibility of the physician. Um, and I constantly hear nurses talk about it's just too many patients. It's just too busy. It's it's too much juggling. Um, so I would I would say it's tougher than it used to be. Um, but I would also echo what you just said about you know you you kind of vote in terms of where you want to work and what culture you're going to stay with. Um, you do have a say. You're wanted um, across the nation. So um, you're a very, very valuable resource. And I don't know that nurses, personality-wise, I mean, let's face it, these are not people that go into it for the money in any way, shape, or form. Um, so they tend to just really work incredibly hard and, and try to do their very best and be of service to others. And that's not necessarily the same personality that's going to stand up and say, hey, Stop treating me this way. <laughs> um, right. But you do. You you vote with, with where you work. Uh, Tamla, talk about how to market yourself. Um, you know, they, they keep talking about keywords and key players and different things like that. But what does that really mean to somebody who has been in a job for a while and haven't, you know, maybe applied to a lot of different places? Absolutely. There are so many skills that a nurse has acquired over their, the course of their career may not be as specific to the job itself, but they're intangible that can be transferable. Everyone needs organizational skills, communication skills. How do you um, work well within a team environment? How do you step up to the plate when need be? And those are the things that can position a candidate so that they are moved to the top of the list because many times the best candidate that I have for a position is a candidate that's right in front of me. And it's my job as a recruiter to make sure that my client knows and understands what value this particular candidate brings, even though they may be eight out of 10 of what's desired on the, on the job description they at least have that additional insight. I call it the, the hidden resume skill set, um, just so that candidate knows that, yes, I have this, and this can be of value to the client. 
And that, again, goes back to your partnership with a recruiter because if a candidate were to just apply for a position, there's no one there to speak on their behalf. And that's where that invaluable partnership of having a recruiter comes in. I am really glad to hear you say that because that would spend one of my pet peeves is oftentimes it seems like, especially in HR, if um, if the recruiter is somebody who's never been a nurse, um, all they know is what the, the um, requirements are in front of them, and they don't necessarily realize that there's transferable skills that, you know, somebody who has worked, you know, various different things that may not sound like the same kind of work, but yet those skills are very transferable, um, and they can be trained in many things except um, things like attitude and uh, passion for the work and work ethic and some of those things are really hard to train. Yes, for yeah, sure, because Allie, really, that actually, at the end of the day, sorry, the hiring manager wants to place that position, place the position for the candidate with the right fit, because if the fit isn't good for the organization, it's not going to be good for the candidate. So that's exactly. where those, those skills can come into place, and they can help override perhaps another candidate that had 10 out of 10, but maybe they just weren't the right fit. Exactly. Uh, somebody else was trying to say something? Uh, it's Allie. I would say that actually goes back to the number of different kinds of recruiters there are as well, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have the title recruiter and be basically your job is to sit in front of the computer and organize the electronic paperwork um, that comes in when people apply. And that's as far as it goes. All the way to the recruiter that truly is almost like a matchmaker who's guiding you through the entire process all the way to making an offer. Um, there are recruiters that they, you know, they just do travel nursing. So, um, they may be just looking to pass you along um, to mm-hmm. someone else. So it, it's, it's tough. Um, and so it's okay for the nurse to ask a little more about, do you mm-hmm. work for the organization? Are you on commission? Uh, what is your good. role? Because it's really not that clear. And it can feel like you're just lost in the black hole right. of spam emails and voicemails and applications and Everybody's going to give you different. Once you get excited and you're thinking, you know, you get over that hump of, no, I'm not looking for a job, to, oh, that sounds pretty good. You kind of uh, get on a roll. And sometimes you don't stop to say, wait a minute, I better question this a little bit more. Um, Tamla, say more about the BSN. Do people need to have the BSN? uh, And why? The BSN is definitely a differentiator um, for a lot of candidates. Today, in today's market, there are so many hospitals that are moving towards um, certifications that are requiring the majority of their nurse staff to have a BSN. So even though you have so many years of field experience, it's definitely good to back it up with, with the paper experience of obtaining your BSN. And many times, employers will offer tuition reimbursement to help fray some of that cost that you'll incur with obtaining your BSN. Right. As somebody who started uh, with a diploma, um, I was very reluctant to go and get a BSN because I felt like, why am I going to get a piece of paper that says I can do what I've been doing for 10 years, 15 years? But having gone through a BSN program, I found it 
incredibly invaluable to me and um, felt like I used that tremendously going forward. So uh, if you're one of those people who are thinking, oh, you know, I've got an AD or ASN or something like that, why should I have to go any further? Um, you will be amazed uh, how much you can learn from it. Um, so um, I, I guess I'm still kind of thinking about why that BSN is so important. What is it that the, the employer sees about the BSN that makes that person a little bit more um, uh, interesting to them than someone who even has a lot of experience? Once you have obtained your BSN, it gives the employer insight into the type of character that you have, that you mm-hmm. have valued your career choice and you want to continue and further your education. So it shows commitment. It shows that you've finished something that you've started and that you are fully invested in your career choice. So again, mm-hmm. those are those intangible skills that um, employers are looking for because they, they want someone that is grounded and is solid in the choices that they've made. Not to say by any means that a nurse that only has their associate's degree is less than. It just gives a different light to the employer of the type of candidate you are because you hold your BSN. Mm-hmm. I think, okay. too, this is Stacey, um, when you're looking at getting your advanced degree, whether it's BSN or, or MSN, you, you think about the positions, and this is sort of future tense for somebody who wants to get into clinical education or nurse management or, you know, be a mid-level provider. The BSN is the key to that because you have to have the BSN for most educator positions within an organization or a clinical nurse specialist type of role. And definitely you have to if you want to go back and be a nurse practitioner or anything to that degree. Great. BSN is well, start to that. We are unfortunately up against a break again. So let's go ahead and take a break here. Um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, uh, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here with three recruiters from uh, Monster.com, Tamla Dorsey, Allie Hogan, and Stacy Carson. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? 
Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, welcome back. This is Leanne Meyer, and we're on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. We're talking about uh, recruiters and what to do when recruiters call. And I believe we have a um, somebody on the line uh, call in, and that is Trish. Could you um, tell us your question? Hi, my name is Trish. Um, yeah, I have a question. I have an unusual degree. Um, it's kind of above a BSN, but it's called a nursing doctorate. Um, I had to have a bachelor's degree in a non-nursing area in order to get it, and then it's a three-year doctorate-level program. So I wonder if I get passed by the screeners that look for a BSN, and I wonder how to avoid getting passed by. Who would like to take that? How about Stacy? Yeah, I can I can speak to that. I think, um, and it goes back to Allie and Tamla's point earlier. Um, and thanks again for your call. Uh, thanks for calling in. Sure. Um, we we look at the whole. I look at the whole resume, um, and I mm-hmm. I look at experience and and really the total package. And so again, it's that is the job of the recruiter to not just quickly what we call disposition somebody without really looking at the whole picture. And so in your case. Mm-hmm. It would be worth a phone call. Let's dig into your background. Let's see the skill set that you have. Say, hey, this is the degree we're looking for. This is what you have. What else do you have in your toolbox that we can use? And, and those are the things that as recruiters we, we use when working with our leaders and our managers to say, hey, we've got this candidate. Here's what she's got. You know, what will you consider? So we, I don't personally, you know, reject people right away. Um, based on that mm-hmm. alone. There are certain departments where, again, with the magnet recognition and the BSN is required, we, we can't. But that doesn't mean we just, you know, disposition that person and move on. I mean, I, I look at that person and say, well, what else can we do? Where, where, where else would be a good fit? Um, can the nurse call the recruiter? Can the nurse call the recruiters? I guess we think in terms of recruiters calling us, but can it go the other way? Can applicants call the recruiters? Absolutely. Yeah, could an applicant call the recruiters? Yeah. I, one of the things I say, um, there's no news and good news does not apply in recruiting. I believe in open communication 
with my candidates, and it's something that I take um, take very much pride in. Uh, and I believe the rest of the team does as well because it, I just don't believe that, you know, ghosting candidates or not responding to candidates' questions is, is the right thing to do. I think that every candidate um, is looking for something, and our job is, as recruiters, as good recruiters, is to find, you know, what, what makes sense for them and to place them in the best bet. Tris, have we answered your question? How long should I wait after I apply for a job before I would call a recruiter? And if you were a recruiter... Um, you would just take a cold call from me? And every place is different. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, yes, I do take cold calls, and I know okay. that Pamela and Allie do as well. Um, I, I don't typically ever turn away a phone call unless I'm on another line, which will happen frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you may get, and every, again, every organization is different. So the calls may go into, um, say, a coordinator who sits, you know, on site, um, and she's, you know, dispersing those calls accordingly. So you may not always get through to a recruiter. Um, it just depends on the setup. But um, my personal philosophy is I follow up with everyone. Um, and you may, you may apply in the system. If I don't have anything for you, you know, you will get some sort of communication. And if it's, if it's something where we've spoken, um, you've interviewed, you've, you've gone further in the process, those, those candidates typically get um, a phone call, a personal phone call, um, if the position turns out not to be a fit. But I would say as far as waiting, um, there's no right or wrong answer here, uh, in my opinion. I know that um, I've been a candidate before myself. We all have. And so we apply and we, we, we always want the recruiter to call right away. Or I always want some sort of closure, I guess, to speak. But um, I, don't, I don't ever discourage candidates from calling. What I will say is um, I'll give timelines. So, for example, if we've done a phone interview and I know the hiring manager's out of town, the week, you're not going to get any communication. So I'm very clear in setting up uh, what it's going to look like, what the process will look like. And, and, and a lot of organizations will have that outlined as well. You might get an email from them saying, hey, it takes you know, seven to ten days for a recruiter to get back to you or to look at your application. So I would, I would say, you know, make sure that you know what their, their standards are. But I, w- I don't have a problem with the phone calls coming in. Trish, thank you so Valley. much for calling in. Sorry. Are you going to add something to it, Allie? I was, yeah. Um, it's going <laughs> to depend on the organization and how they've staffed their, their recruiting department as well. Um, you know, if you've got one recruiter that's handling 100 openings, they're not going to be able to get back to you. So as you're looking at an organization and, and how fast are they responding to you and are you getting um, customer service, that should tell you something also about the organization mm-hmm. that you're, you're working with. Sure. Okay. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for calling. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. So, um, Stacy, do you want to go over kind of quickly, what are the steps that um, help uh, somebody who is interviewing be successful? Um, yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, I, I want to go back to our point about, um, you know, the when you were asking how we get names, and so we might be cold calling or, or emailing candidates frequently, and 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 so it's it's completely understandable with a candidate answering the phone and they're, you know, in the in the carpool lane, things like that. But whenever we set up a actual formal interview, the best advice I could say is to be in a place uh, where it's quiet and you know you're going to have the appropriate amount of uninterrupted time. And it's one of the things that I do as a recruiter, again, in coaching candidates for the interview is. You know, this is going to take 45 minutes. Here are the things I'm going to need, um, things I'm going to send you, the things that I'm going to expect from you prior to that interview. 
Um, so really be prepared for that interview. Um, it's, it's, it's disappointing, I think, as a recruiter to get excited about an interview and have a candidate um, in the grocery store uh, doing the phone interview. Um, right. And a lot of times I will just reschedule those. So it really is um, It's something that we put on our calendar. We, we spend a lot of time setting that up, and, and we want to, to make sure that if, as the candidate we want to we want them to give us everything that they have. We want them to be focused and be able to go through their experiences with us so we can, you know, we can find the best home for them. Great. And so that is like the first thing I would like to say to Pamela, Ali, do you have anything to add to that piece? Uh, this is Allie. I would add that things happen as well. Um, you know, if the, if the baby has been quiet all morning, the second you get on the phone with me, is, is when he or she is going to scream. Yeah. Um, nobody's popped by your door. Somebody's going to knock on your door, and the dogs are going to go crazy. Um, it, it, it just is Murphy's Law. Um, so, you know, yes, plan, um, but don't think that you have completely ruined your chances if something goes wrong. Um, we are humans on this end. It happens to us as well. Um, and so, you know, the recruiter more often than not, um, is more of a, a, a nurse groupie is what I jokingly call it on the other end. Um, and one of the things that we, one of the reasons I think we all do this job is, is we honestly love talking to you guys all day. So just know it's a human and yes, interviews. Yeah, I know we're really interesting people, aren't we? Um, we're going to, we're going to move on here. Stacy, talk a little bit about negotiating salary. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, I think that people have been trained to not ask what, to, you know, it's not okay to talk about compensation in an interview. Um, and, and that really isn't true. It's, it's people, people really want to know. And, and what we do, I mean, there are different states have different laws as far as, um, you know, talking about pay. But one of the things I do is, is, is ask an employee or a potential employee, you know, what, what is their expectation? And mm-hmm. most organizations, and I say most but not all, because everyone has their own pay practice, but they work within salary bands. And so, you know, if you're a nurse with one year of experience and you want $45 an hour and the, the salary band caps out at 35 well, we can't meet that. We can't meet that expectation. So I will ask candidates, you know, what is the expectation? What are you looking for? A lot of times we can get them closer to what they think just based on um, the opportunities that we have, whether it's a critical care differential, a weekend or night shift differential, something like that. Mm -hmm. So that conversation is usually fairly lengthy when they say, I want $30 an hour. Well, how do I get you there? Here's the way Mm -hmm. that I can get you closer to that dollar amount. But hospitals have, um, with their pay practices, they they look at, you know, obviously internal equity. They look at the market. Um, So there's negotiation involved with that. However, it's not always... it's different, I think, when you're looking at a staff nurse hourly rate of pay, because it, it you have to be um, you have to keep that equity, you know, within the internal team. You can't have somebody coming in with five years who's going to make you know more than the nurse that you've had there for ten years. Right. Um, so exactly. there's a lot of that going on, but it is completely okay for candidates to ask, um, you know, okay. what, what, you know, as far as pay and things like that. They may not always sure. get the range, but they're going to get something close to that. Tama, could you talk about, is there anything else a nurse can negotiate? Um, a lot of times, you know, as you say, there's there's salary ladders, and you may not be able to negotiate that, but is there other things, vacation time or maybe time off, um, you know, six months from now, my daughter's getting married, can I have time off there? Are there other things that they can negotiate? 
there's definitely an opportunity to keep the conversation open and to to ask. There is no guarantee that we as the recruiters would be able to assist in providing that for you, but it never hurts to ask if, you know, perhaps um, you know that your raise is coming up, your annual raise, Uh and you know Mm -hmm. that maybe it's going to be about $1,000, so perhaps Mm -hmm. you ask for a sign-on bonus of $1,000 to help um, phrase some of that cost, or if you're considering relocating to the area, ask about what the relocation package looks like and, and what can you offer as far as assistance in moving to your location for this new opportunity. Um, vacation mm-hmm. time, other perks, cell phone, cars. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that you can ask for, but definitely keep it realistic. Um, we all want the world to be handed to us on a platter, but unfortunately <laughs> it doesn't come that way. But yeah. you never know if you would receive it if you don't ask for it. Okay. We've got just about two minutes left. Um, I wonder if each of you could say something that uh, is the most important thing you want nurses to know. So, uh, Allie, can you talk about that? Oh, and most just like about 30 seconds. Um, oh, goodness. I'm blanking completely. <laughs> Does somebody else want to go first? Yeah, I want, I want, this is Stacy. I want nurses to know that you are so incredibly appreciated. I completely understand um, you know, the, the positions that you're in, the positions that you're put in. Um, I know it can be overwhelming when you're getting communications from recruiters, but the good thing is is that you are wanted um, and you are needed, and the work that you do is so incredibly important. And I, um, being a, becoming a nurse, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. So thank you for what you do every single day. Tamla, can you give us uh, your, your best shot for the nurses? Yes, absolutely. Your recruiter is your advocate. So definitely look to them for knowledge, for insights, and to just bounce ideas off because they can really help you to propel to your next level in your career. That's fantastic. Allie, did you have Um, a couple seconds to think about it? uh, Yeah, going on what Stacey said, um, you guys are so valuable. Please don't quit. I know that healthcare is hard. Um, I think it will get better. There are organizations out there and they are making changes. It's just that those changes to keep you are, are taking some time to implement. Yes, I agree. So this has been absolutely excellent. I'm so, so glad to have you all on. Um, uh, just, uh, I, I'm kind of uh, verklempt here. (laughs) So what I wanted to say is I've been a recruiter also, and I just really encourage nurses, uh, if you're not somebody who can sell yourself, make sure you talk with somebody else to help you come up with what are those attributes of yours that are so valuable. We have a tendency as nurses to say, well, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And we just sort of downplay Uh, whatever it is that we're good at and maybe don't even really realize um, in comparison or, you know, amongst other nurses that we really shine in an area that that we have no idea. So um, I just think it's so important 
for um, nurses to even practice talking with other people uh, to praise yourself or to to remember what are some of those incredible things that you've done over the time of your nursing. Uh, it might have even been in nursing school, something that you came forward and got something going. Um, but this is, if there's ever a time you pat yourself on the back, this would be it. So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you, if you're, you know, thinking about going into nursing, if you're in nursing and thinking you're bored out of your mind and you want to try something else, um, if you've been out of nursing for a while and you're thinking, you know, maybe it's time for me to come back and what do I need to do for that? Um, the other thing is to utilize these um, programs that are in your state. Many times each state has a program. And uh, so keep your eyes open, keep open to the idea of what all you can uh, offer to nursing and uh, keep listening to us. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I hope you enjoyed this show and come back and join us again. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.